Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release each episode. Today, we have the 2019 Italian modern fairy tale called The Man Without Gravity, or L'Omo Senza Gravita. This is directed by Marco Bonfanti, and it stars Alilo, Germanio, Mikhail, or Michaela, Sescon, and Alana Cotta. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with MJ. How you doing? I am very, very well. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, an Italian film. We've done, we've done a couple. Done a, done a few I think the years. Italian films in general have been uh, have been pretty good. Yeah, so uh, I'm interested to talk about this one. Uh, obviously, I think we sort of mentioned the title in itself is is interesting, <laughs> intriguing. Uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, we're going to have a good chat. And we do start our show off with the fast picks where we do a quick little summary about what the film's all about. So what's your fast flicks for this one? I wanted my fast flicks to be The Man Without Gravity because it's such a great <laughs> title and it kind of like, it kind of just says everything. But I, I did just the story of a man who was born without gravity. I don't know how grammatically correct that idea is, <laughs> like being born without gravity, but like, it's like, being born without the ability to live within the rules of gravity. I don't know. Either way, born without gravity and the secret life he led until it all became too much. Lovely. I like it. I, I, I agree. I think it was really hard with grammar to try and make this sound right. So I just sort of reversed it. <laughs> I've gone the life of a man with gravity defying abilities and his inability oh. to fit in the world. That's really good. That's really good. I like it. Good. I I was, I was, I'm glad we're on the same page there because it's a real tricky word to sort of uh, play around with mm. and the concept, I guess, as yeah. well. Um, yeah. All right, well, we like to sort of check out how this sort of became a film and we often do struggle at times with international features to, to find too much about the story. So I'm excited. I'm hoping you've got something. <laughs> no, you've let me down. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was equally hoping that you might have something. But look, very, very... <laughs> small amounts of information available online about how this film was made sometimes is, is a good thing sometimes it was just no fanfare that just made the film um it was obviously as you said written uh, sorry directed and written by marco bonfanti um from what i can gather he's historically more of a documentary director i think this is his first feature uh fiction narrative however you want to say it so he's done films before but this is his first time he sort of had a bit of fun with it um the film itself was presented during the pre-inauguration of the rome film festival or film fest uh and it was available on netflix from the 1st of november following an event release in italian cinemas on the 21st 22nd and 23rd of october via fandango and there is IMDb had a estimated budget of 2.6 million euro, which is about 2.7 million US dollars. I didn't realize that they were so um, close. so close together. Those two, yeah, it's nice to know. So about two and a half million US dollars. Very very small budget. Very very small budget. I tried to find some films, basically within the last ten years, even twenty years, that were made with a similar budget. A Haunted House, 2013, sort of a spoof comedy movie. Garden State, 2004, obviously a very famous independent Zach film, Zach Braff's first film. Hunt for the Wilder People, 2016, yeah. was uh, two and a half million, obviously very, uh, very highly acclaimed film. 
Interestingly, Malcolm and Marie from 2021, another Netflix film, two and a half million. Mm-hmm. Uh, interested that that budget existed somewhere online. And just a little call out, 995. It's not really comparing apples with apples, but Before Sunrise was two and a half million, one of my favorite films. <laughs> one of your faves. Nice. To see yeah, what think- you can do with this sort of money. But it's tiny budget, tiny budget. Yeah, and I read an article uh, through translation that pretty much said uh, because of Netflix being on board with the production of this, it bolstered the the size of the budget even more. So I think they had only a couple of hundred K to start off with. So um, having them on board has definitely helped uh, along the way too. I think the, the other sort of interesting thing, so we spoke about um, Leo Germano, he plays Oscar, the actor who plays the, the character Oscar in this. So um, the actual Italian translation for Elio is his name means or, or it can be translated to like helium so it's like the lightest gas <laughs> sort of going around so it's a um sort of after hydrogen so it's a, a little bit of a coincidence i guess that the lead uh, actor's name sort of means the same sort of thing which is cool uh, that's a good find of uh, the translations for this one in french i don't mind the french title it's called the incredible lightness of oscar so that, was a, that was a nice little play on the mm. title in a different way uh in Hungary, it was called Oscar, the man without gravity. So using his name, um, Sweden, the man who defied the law of gravity. So a bit more um, like literal mm. translation. And in Turkey, I don't know if this one came across too well, but the man without earth. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if earth translates no, to well, gravity. I, but <laughs> out of all that, I think I prefer the man without gravity. And I know it's weird, as we said grammatically, but you kind of, you know what you're getting. It's, it's. It is what it is. I, I think it kind of works. And that's what we talked about last week when we mentioned that we were doing it. I was just intrigued to watch this film. And I would have been disappointed if it wasn't literally a man who defied the laws of gravity. Like, I would have been disappointed if it was like a fun play on words because I wanted to see a movie about a man who just, like, floated. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like, obviously, Italian film filmed in a variety of locations across Italy, some nice scenic areas too, but also filmed a bit in Belgium as well. Um but that can probably lead us into the consensus for this one. What are, what are people saying about it? Yeah, well, it's it's a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 2,500 ratings, and it's a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd with about 1,800 ratings. A lot of really glowing reviews, though, on Letterboxd, which is nice to see, but not massive numbers in terms of the amount of people who have rated the film. Yeah, I, I think that sort of reflects the same. On Rotten Tomatoes, too, it doesn't have a, a percentage from critics. There's only three critics that have reviewed it, so two of them were positive. Um, the audience, there's a bit more than 50 people that had got on, so that's a good thing to see. It sits at 73% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, yeah, all in the same sort of ballpark, I guess, where it's looking at a, a fairly decent decent score from the people that have seen it. Not bad. What are your yeah, early it. thoughts uh, for this one? You know what? I when I watched the film, I didn't know that it was like marketed or described as like a fairy tale because I was watching this film thinking like, oh, this is like a modern fairy tale. It's really cool. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I think it, I think it's got a strong message. I think it's akin to something that you might see in a Pixar movie. Um, you know, it's got that heart and that warmth and the ebbs and the flows, but it's, it's never too far away from you know it's it's strong message um if i'm honest i never really got too drawn and felt a big emotional connection to the film but on the surface the story itself and the ideas did appeal to me cool yeah i think for me as a film in three parts 
and I think it really shines to begin with and then the dust sort of settles quite quickly towards the end. Uh, I think a really ambitious story and it's well worth watching mm. it for that originality and that idea of it. To me, uh, it's a very disappointing ending, um, which we'll probably mm. talk about at some stage too. Um, Interesting. Yeah, let's let's uh, look at some characters. Who, who do you want to talk about in this one? I'd like to talk about Oscar, uh, the man without gravity. Um, mm. Look, I mean, this is really quite a sad story. Um, <laughs> I've literally got that as a my kid. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry for this guy. <laughs> yeah. Because as a kid, he just wants to be normal, which, we, you know, we've seen that story a thousand times, right? Um, you know, when he finally does find a way to fit in, he kind of just wants to be himself, like as in use his his gift, um, for lack of a better term. He wants to give his life some meaning and some purpose. So that repression that he had as a kid kind of causes him to go full speed ahead in the direction of, bugger it I'm, I'm just gonna get out there and, and do my thing and show people what i can do and all of a sudden thanks to the wonderful society that we live in he becomes a novelty he becomes a circus act and, and once he experiences that he just wants to go back to his quiet life where no one knows him and, and and no one knows what he can do but that's gone now that doesn't exist so he's got to go to these extreme lengths just to get what he had i guess you could say and you could argue that his happiest moments are when he's living this quiet life with the ones he loved. But but what is the cost of that by not being able to do what he wants to do? And I think the question I kept asking about Oscar is, and I think this is what the movie constantly asks us as well, like, why can't this man just exist as he is? You know, like, obviously, I understand that there's worldwide interest in, in that ability. But why can't he just live his life with this talent or gift, not be a stage performer? And I suppose that's where, where the repression comes in. He, he doesn't understand why he can't just be the guy who tutors people reading and writing, but can also fix the antenna on the roof without needing a ladder. Like it, it, it's, it's kind of really unfair. And that's what the movie's trying to say. And, um, you know, I, I kind of like where he ends up, to be perfectly honest, but it's, it's a pretty grim, sad life. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's hard that when you're talking about the characters too, that, um, you do see there's, there's such clearly different stages in their lives that are, that are sort of well, you know, identified in between them. And um, to me, like, you know, that it all starts with that idea. He was almost a prisoner to start off with. And in particular, and it's hard, I'm probably going to talk a little bit about some other characters here, but the, the grandmother, I guess, was that influencing factor on both um, Oscar and, and his mother, Natalia, that uh, she had that control and she sort of represented that, really really old school mentality that different generations feel I guess and it was nice to see those three sort of generations you've got the grandmother who's completely mm. one way you've got the mother who's sort of a little bit stuck in between and then you've got Oscar who wants to to be be himself he wants to explore the world he wants to do things like that and um, because of the the grandmother's uh, concern about her reputation this this impacts Oscar directly um, and the idea of not having a dad um, and his abilities, these are all things that, that are a concern to, to the people that are closest to him, which impacts him. And, and the only person that he can really connect to when he's a young kid or through his youth is Batman. And that's that, that escapism for him because, you know, superheroes can be that to kids. And, and he connected mm. so much with this fictional character because it's a guy who has to disguise his identity. Like he's being told by his grandmother and his mother and, and that 
uh, when you're being brought up, if you're continually told that message, when you do get that opportunity, when you're a bit older to, to try and express and be yourself, then you're missing those people that sort of protected you at the start. And then that sort of leads to, to later in life where you, you buy yourself because you've rejected both forms of that lifestyle in one way and you're stuck in a bit of a rut. Um, yeah, the wonderful a sad, summary. Sad story. Sad story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. But and, and it's no different to someone who who might be born with, you know, like a hair lip or, or something wrong with their hand or one leg or all that sort of stuff as kids. Like, why does that have to define who they are? Right. And I think I think we're moving into into a world where that's not necessarily the case. And look, I'm not I get the fact that if if someone didn't follow the laws of gravity that's kind of the biggest news story in the world so i, I get that, <laughs> that there would be interest in it but i also think that there would be a level these days of okay this guy can do that we've all seen it great but then let's just let him do his thing yeah. um so yeah. to be perfectly honest i i, I just I, I like the fact that the story does link to things that could happen in real life despite its absurdity uh, of what's actually happening yeah I guess, does that lead us into the mum, Natalia, a little bit? Well, yeah. And I actually, I liked, I liked this character because, and I think it highlights the fact that there are a lot of grey areas in this, this idea of parenting because from the moment Oscar was born, she was nothing but in love with the miracle of him. Um, and she was never concerned or wanted to give him, she was never concerned about what the grandma was necessarily concerned with. And she just wanted to give him the best life that she could possibly give him. And, but that was not a black and white prospect. So the level of protecting your child combined with letting them discover the world for themselves. I mean, this is what parents deal with all the time, even today, even if your kid doesn't have anything wrong with them, you're always trying to weigh up. I got to protect them, but I want them to live their life. Where's that balance. And um, I think they did that really well. I think, she makes these significant sacrifices for him. She makes the wrong decisions at times, but it's all because these decisions are really hard to make. Yeah, I, I think you've, you've summed that really well. And I think that I sort of touched on this a little bit before that she's sort of been trapped in that middle stage between her mother and what she wants for her son. And it sort of reflects that little bit of um, uh, small world mentality, I guess, where she, the, her mother... Mm is pushing this way so she doesn't want to disappoint her own mother but in the same way she wants the best for her son too and it's a really tricky situation but i think you've summed that up really nicely too yeah um well that actually leads into the grandma really well because yes like i i don't i'm not disappointed at the grandma because she is that symbol of conservatism and and she's the one who recognizes the risk of of gossip in this small town and, and she also wants to protect oscar as much as she can but what she doesn't understand is, is the cost that that protection is actually causing. Yeah. And I think that, and I'll probably touch on this in themes a bit later on, but the idea with her mentality of faith as well and, and her upbringing herself makes it really hard to accept something that goes against everything that she's been brought up on herself. Um, and that sort of restricts the ability of her grandchild. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. All right, I reckon there's one more. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got oh, more. Agatha. <laughs> um, I think we probably didn't explore the adult too much. I think obviously we get the idea that she's had a hard life and that whole prostitute falling in love was almost too big a story to bring in at that point in time and how that all works. Um, but there was, 
there was a sweetness to the fairy tale of them ending up together and living in Oscar's childhood home. That's what really banged home the fairy tale thing for me. Um, but I, I feel like there's just so much to do with this character and, and so much to do with her story that we just never got a chance to get into, which is fine. But there's, yeah, I felt like I was missing something. Mm. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, I don't have anything else. <laughs> David? Um, sorry, was that a guard that you said? Yeah, yeah Gata. Yeah, like, like I, I don't have anything because I think I really liked her as a kid. And then yeah. I'll talk more about her in the scenes because I like the friendly accepting nature of her, but I don't have anything else on her. So I think it, it'll more come out in the scenes. That's probably a better way of saying it. Yeah, no, um, I, I, yeah. I know what you're saying because it, it was hard to really yeah. get a grip of it. Yeah, um, yeah David. So I, I found him really difficult because it was like this one-hit wonder musician who saw an opportunity to take advantage of someone you never really liked him from the first moment that you saw him and it was just too obvious that he was in it to make money and didn't care about oscar and that was that that was all it was i thought the same i wish they were a little bit more subtle um with their portrayal of him because you saw you saw it coming a mile away what was going on and i think it would have been nicer to see the complexities of how these relationships you, you, how you actually try and handle these relationships because obviously he's the face of this commercial greed and and he's also the first person to actually treat him like a, a circus animal to try and woo him with money but never actually understand or properly listen to what Oscar wanted and, and that's you know symbolic of people that you meet all the time in the world um, I just wish they had have like made you second guess everything and be like oh maybe he is right for him maybe this is working because it would have really highlighted those those difficult decisions that you have to make. Good point. Um, um, is that it? No, nah, no more characters for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, me too. All right, director, you sort of touched on this at the start anyway, really. First feature, few shorts, few docos. Anything else on him? Yeah, no, obviously not a huge, I'm not a huge connoisseur of, of Italian documentary, so I can't say I'm familiar with his work. All good. All right. What are some scenes that stood out in this one? I thought the opening scene was great. Uh, the birth scene, just letting you know that we're completely leaning into this bizarre idea. Like there is just a baby floating in the air and it just sets the tone for the film. And I think it does have an irreverent tone at times to fight, despite the fact that it is a kind of a grim story that there, there is fun to it. Um, and they set that up really nicely. There was no mistaking what this movie was going to be about. And I, I appreciated that. Um, I think in general, I liked that they had him reveal that he could fly for lack of a better term when there was still like an hour to go in the film. Cause I was starting to get a little bit concerned that this was going to be a whole film about repression. Um, but we actually did get a you know, big opportunity to explore the other side of it. Um, I loved when he walked out of the book meeting. And similarly, I was worried that we were going to continue to just see him get pushed around. And I didn't want to see that for another hour either. So um, that was really good to see him finally stand up and see what his final straw was and actually do the math in his head that this isn't really working. Because this is a guy who doesn't really have many social relationships. So he doesn't know how to deal with this kind of stuff. Um, and, and finally, the scene that I like, which I think summed up, you know, how he was being treated was the, the fly angel fly scene and then they remove the shackles from his feet and this is just after he's discussed how he's stuck in this long-term contract we know that the angel is a recurring motif for 
for something that he doesn't like being likened to, despite the fact that his mum describes him as an angel the day he's born. Um, it was just perfect. It all just came together nicely. It had a real elephant man feel to it, you know, just like I'm, I'm a human being kind of thing. And um, I thought it was pretty powerful and well well crafted. At that as well, because I like the repeated image of those sort of shackles on those feet being tied up, you know, in the performances, in the photo shoot, those things. And I think that sort of played in well to that scene you just mentioned too, just that idea of, of trapness. So, yes, good good one. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I found this really hard because the first segment, I pretty much enjoyed all of it. I think that the mum and the grandma navigating how to keep him hidden with the growth of that friendship with Agata, I liked it. And I think it was a good setup for the film. So I, I combined that almost as one. Um, mm -hmm. And then the editing, I guess, between the timeframes for me was excellent. I, I think that the three parts and the way that they transitioned between, and, and especially in other scenes as well, like the, the idea of him packing his bags and going for the show and then the, the, the camera sticks on mm -hmm. that television and then the television mm -hmm. zooms into him being on the show. It was just such a good transition of time throughout, like some really good craft um, techniques throughout. And, and too, like, you know, it kept you engaged when the first shot, usually when it changed from one of the three acts was, was of the mother. Um, and she looked a little bit older each time. It just was a, a really, really, really well done. Um, to be honest, even the way they showed the photos with the candles the photo, when yeah. you realize that someone's passed away, passed away. Okay, yeah. Tom's passed. This is, and it's sad too. <laughs> they do hit you there. Yeah. Um, good. That's, yeah. So that, I mean, it was, I found this hard to, to identify specific things. And I'm probably going to have the same when we talk about things that we didn't necessarily like. So, what are some forgettable things? Yeah, this didn't, this didn't really stick out for me for many things that I didn't like. And there was, there's one specific shot early on with um, Agata as a child where she basically goes to the front door to see Oscar and says, oh, no, he's not home or whatever. She walks off and she turns and sees him in the window. And it just bothered me that she hadn't turned around yet, so she didn't know he's in the window, So she, but she started waving before she'd even seen him. Uh, the whole thing just seemed really rehearsed and I could feel the fact that the director had his hands all over that scene and it just didn't, didn't work. But child actor, I think I had a look. This is her first ever film and I thought she was an absolute darling. So I'm not <laughs> going to be too critical. Um, and the other thing that I really didn't like was that, again, with Agata, this time as an adult, I just don't think that she looked anything like the little girl. And I didn't buy that at all because I actually think Oscar... That is exactly what that kid would have grown up to look like. <laughs> For a while there, I was wondering if this is going to be a movie about this repressed kid who grows up to be this real egotistical guy who's just like powerful, confident, look what I can do. And when I first saw him, I'm like, no, of course. This is, of course, the Oscar that would have been. He's, he's quiet. He's shy. He's, you know, not got great conversational social skills and but Agata, I looked at her, I'm like, that's not Agata. Like, don't give me that crap. Because when I was all going, I'm like, I bet this is going to be Agata. And I was like, oh, I can't be. Look at her. So that really bothered me. Good. Um, yeah. I think, again, same sort of thing. That all the, the scenes where they were having, like, having crowds, so like the in-studio audiences or the audiences that he shows and things like this, um, it really showed off the small budget. Like, there's like a scene where you're like, you know, walking out of the back back door of the theater and there's like five people trying to grab him. Like they're the, you know, the fans and then they just close the door and it's empty like alleyways and stuff. It's like, just, just didn't sit right. And, yeah. Um, and I know that it's to do with the, the constraints, but um, I thought it, was, it just wasn't convincing. And the same with like the party scene at his house. 
I was like, <laughs> it was like that this was made during like the, the social distancing stage. They're all like standing like <laughs> meters apart from each other to make it look like the room was filled. Uh, so I thought that was a bit funny cool. too. Um, and then the third act, I'm just going to put that in here because I was counting like obviously that opening act I really enjoyed. So I'm counting down the minutes for a garter to come on the screen. And I was, I was getting to the stage where I was like, maybe this film is doesn't bring it back. And I was really concerned because I looked, it was, there was 24 minutes to go when we're first sort of, if we ignore the part where she walks up the stairs as Mimi and the first moment that we're introduced to her on the screen, 24 minutes to go. And there was five minutes of credit. So about 19 minutes of screen time to go. And for such an important character in his youth, I really wanted more. Um, And I think to characterize her now as someone who's so down and out and working as a prostitute, it really infuriated me. I thought, it's just a, especially when you've got his character who's so down and out, I needed some sort of positivity and I just wasn't sold on the the final parts where they get away together and, and especially the final scene of, of him um, like as Batman. I did not like that at all. I thought it was horrendous. See, I loved, I probably should have put in the scenes that I like because I love the fact that the whole time I'm like, please just get a job as like a man who like cleans ceilings or something. I want you to get a job where you can use your gift as, as normal. And so they obviously do that, but then it does tie back into the fact that Batman, and you made, made the point about this earlier, how Batman was the only person he could relate to, but Batman means so much to so many people, you know, he's like, like am I a superhero? Because superheroes can do this. And in that sense, and in that world, like this, this is the closest thing you can ever be to being a superhero. You've got to, a ward of senior citizens who don't know what's going on genuinely think Batman's there cleaning the window. I thought it was really nice. Yeah. Maybe in my mind I had these expectations that the the way his character had gone throughout the film, that there was no hope for him. And I know that that's really down and out sort of a thing, but I thought he was going to float away into happiness. I, I just had that in the back of my mind that this film was going to end with mm. him floating away, being happy. And maybe that's because the, I got the I got it wrong, obviously. So I'm I'm just not happy with how it finished. Maybe that's what it is yeah, because I thought a, a finish to this would have been you got this idea of, of like we didn't actually see him get into trouble by floating off a bit. Like you know, surely there were accidents at times where he'd put the back down that, yeah. or something. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that would would have been a really impactful sort of finish that he's he's finally happy that anyway. Yeah. That that was that was just and that's I agree. Fair. I mean. I, all I wanted was him to end in a job where he can use his skill and it's just boring and mundane, but like it's, people can't do that sort of stuff. So um, I'm glad they actually did that. The Batman thing was just a, an, an extra nice touch. And I think the them living together in his old house was, you know, almost like a little bit too good to be true in terms of tying up the story. But as I said, this had a real fairy tale. I can, I could hundred percent see Pixar using, you know, not, word for word this story but having this animated story with these same themes with these same similar concepts about a guy about a kid who flies or whatever actually don't they isn't there a disney a pixar short with a with a mum who's got like a baby who or like a little kid who like floats um, flies? yeah it's called it's called float it's yeah, a it's a it's right. one of the um spark shorts um short little ones that they they released to disney plus yeah, they, I have watched that. That just good. obviously rang a bell with me right then. But it had that vibe that I reckon, like, this could be a Pixar movie and, it, and like, it would have to end the way it ended if it was. So, anyway, um, yeah, I could see where you're coming from with all that. All right, well, what are some ideas in this one, some themes? 
well, these are these are the things that make the movie important for me, and I, I think there's lots there. But the, the idea of individuality and why do we have to hide our differences, um, no matter how big or small they are, and and why do our differences have to mean that we can't necessarily live a normal life? Um, you see, obviously, that the Paralympics is a wonderful example of people who who have something that's different to everybody else being able to compete at the highest stage, no matter what obstacles they've had to overcome. And I really like that idea that they've, they've explored in this film. Um, I think there's a strong theme of parenthood in this film as well. Um, so I try to juggle that idea of parenthood and how that would work and the decisions that you need to make. Obviously it's all compounded in this film, but um, that works nicely. I think finding meaning in your life and discovering the discovering that importance doesn't mean that you need to do it on a global scale, which initially he thinks he does. It just means that you need to be important to those who love you. Um, and then of course the idea of isolation and repression and, and the toll that it takes, and that's explored really heavily. Yeah. I, I think I've got most of that stuff just in different words, like that the idea of, of childhood too, like you know, what is childhood and, and can it be ruined by individual people or family members? Because if you keep pumping that idea that mm. the world's a cruel world, you know, cruel place and, and you become isolated and, and that leads to that idea you're talking about too, of, of you're hiding talents because you're scared of showing off who you really are and you, you're hidden because you don't want to be judged. And, and then on the other hand, you can be exploited for money and, um, I think, and that leads into that idea of celebrityism as well. And, it's not all it is made out to be, um, you know, that impact that it has on his mother's name as well. Like it's really, really mm. sad. And he gets upset about that because he obviously cares about her and their relationship is impacted. And and that mother-son relationship, it can be fragile. How do you stay connected if you're, if you're going on different pathways and going against what she necessarily, like what your family wants for you. And, and I mentioned this a little bit through the, the religious sort of undertones of, of Italy um, through that prior generation, you know, reading the Bible, you know, the idea of an angel um, and even the guard of the young girl, she's obviously brought up on the same ideas because talking mm. about, you don't have a dad, you know, how are you going to get to heaven? Those, those sorts of things. So mm. yeah, lots, lots of things that he's talked about. There's a lot there. It's good. Yeah. What did you take away from this one? I think I'll take away the, the sweetness in the complexity of the story. I think it's a really fun concept and the, the tone is quite light throughout, but the movie knows when to take itself seriously and recognize that, despite the frivolity of this idea, you know, we live in a world where something as unique and as incredible as this is likely to end up as a really tough slog that impacts your life and those who love you. And that, that really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's such a, a big story really, when you think about it, like, I'm not mm. sure that they cover it off amazingly, but it's a, it's got lots of big ideas and, and, you know, the same, I think the originality of this is probably worth just checking it out um and sticking with international features at times because you know it's when they're done well they're done well that's very true did you go into imdb to check anyone out no one was familiar for me in this one me either um any questions that you wanted to ask would you go to a live show of a man who can defy gravity if he was a part of like an act of multiple um you know extraordinary sort of things possibly but i don't think i'd pay money just to see him individually i thought the same thing yeah. i don't know how this was such a prosperous revenue opportunity <laughs> yeah 
hands. <laughs> yeah, it's like, here, give me 50 bucks so you can just see a guy. And I'll just go up and then I'll pull you, pull you down with a chain. Like, yeah, <laughs> it didn't seem that interesting to me. But, good good um, question. Yeah. Any questions <laughs> yes. to me? Um, is it a superhero film? No. Is, I don't. Yeah, I don't see him as a hero character either. So um, no, and I think it kind of. I think it's not trying to be a superhero film either. But it's no. fun to talk about it. This isn't really a question. This is a statement. The attendance officers that came in to check up on Oscar to visit the homes. Oh, I, I find that so good. I think we need them in Australia. Realistically, if your kids aren't at school, we're going to get some police-like looking dudes to come to your house and get your kids at school. Well, did they work for the school or did they work for like the county or something? It felt like that was more than just the school. School, yeah, because we saw in one of the American films we did, there was like a, a was it Beats? I think the same sort of yeah, thing happened. Right. Like, yeah, so I guess it, yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, it's obviously a thing that works in different parts around the world. Mm, yeah, we don't do it here, do we? No. Nah. Um, <laughs> so they made mention when they named him, like we're naming him mm. Oscar after the famous American. Is it Oscar Wilde? Is that that was my interpretation? Oh, Is he I, even the, American. The, I, I'm, I, I must admit, I thought it was just like we want to give him an American name. American name, okay. Like cool. I don't, I don't even know why. Like, but I guess that's the way that America is perceived in Italy. Um, a bit like a yeah. rock star kind of. I don't know. Because then, when he's doing his show, he's got that American flag outfit on too. So I sort of it had to be something to do with it. I just couldn't quite yeah. work out what. Yeah, mm. I think it's got to be to do with the perception of America in within Italy because it felt weird to me too. Yeah. All right. Good. Last one. Decided.com. That align in their review for this. Watch it and the memory of it will just float away. Are you going to remember this film? I think so. I, I read that exact same review and I thought it was a bit harsh. I, I kind of get it. There is a there is a lightness to it that is a bit meh. But no, I actually took a lot more out of this than, than what that review did. Good. All right. Well, I think we're ready to wrap this one up and give it a rating out of five. What are your final thoughts? Well, despite the fact that it may not have drawn me in and connected with me on this emotional level as much as I thought it might have, um, it did pull me in intellectually with their ideas and themes. Um, and that fairy tale component did work. And, and I'd love to see this movie grow, or at least the concepts behind it, whether that be getting remade, whether that be more people watching it and talking about it. I just think there's enough there. So it's it's three and a half stars for me. Lovely. Yeah, I, I, I love a film with an original idea. And like I sort of mentioned, the first segment around childhood was sweet and it set up a really compelling idea. I think the, like a, the transitions of time were so well done, but the, the back end just really let it down for me. But it's still worth a watch because it's like nothing I've seen before, really, like if you think mm. about it. Um, so I'm giving it a three out of five, which gives it nice. a 3.25. Um, as always, we are on socials checks out at flix forum on all good platforms question for this week is is batman a good role model is, is he a good role model for kids i mean you know morally he does a lot right hmm. uh, he does things for the right reasons yeah it's it's a tricky one because you know he lives he, in a tough town as well though there's a lot of violence in gotham true <laughs> and he and he doesn't use guns so that's a that's a you know standing against guns so you know there's there are some good values there that you can look up to <laughs> um, good question we'll, though <laughs> good. well we'll be back next week got a, another film from 2019 we're in that end of uh, the 2019 mm. film so it's a Christmas rom-com called Let It Snow directed <laughs> by Luke Snellen stars Isabella Merced Shemeika Moore Kiernan Shipkak Odea Rush Liv Houston Mitchell Hope Jacob Batalon and Joan Cusack 
So uh, a couple of names there. I remember when this one came out because I remember that it's based on a, a couple of stories. Like it was a, an, a couple of stories by the guy that did The Fault in Our Stars. So I remember, oh, okay. I don't know much about it, but I know it was, I'm pretty sure it's the guy that did The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. I just assume it's a Christmas movie with that title. Is it a Christmas movie? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Christmas yeah, okay, movie. Cool. Yeah. yeah cool. 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 Yeah. Good. Yeah. Right, as always, it's been a, been a pleasure. So thank you. And it's, I'm glad we got to see this one. This was a good one. Yeah, I'm glad we got it. I'm glad we got to chat about it. And uh, and I'll see you next week. Sounds good. We'll see you then.